Welcome to the Healing Trauma and CPTSD podcast. I'm your host, Monique Coven. I'm a certified trauma recovery and resilience coach, and this podcast is all about hope and recovery. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast episode. I am so thrilled to have Robin Shapiro with us today. Those of you who don't know Robin Shapiro, she is, um, she's been a psychotherapist since 1981, and she's known for her clear, practical style of teaching and writing, and she does clinical consultations. She's the author and editor of five books covering multiple modes of clinical treatments. She's also in really high demand as a consultant and a workshop presenter and conference speaker on issues of healing trauma, disassociation, attachment issues, anxiety, depression, sexual and relationship issues. I myself heard her speak a couple of years ago in New York City and I was I was just floored. I, I bought her book Ego States right away and just just loved it. Um, her expertise is in uh, EMDR and ego state, somatic, relationship and attachment focused and many other therapies. So we chatted about anxiety and feelings of grief and we talked about what we can do right now and I just love her easygoing, down-to-earth style of um, communicating. So I really hope you find this episode helpful for you and um, here we go. Hi, Robin. Hello. (laughs) Hello. How are you, Robin? I am doing well. Nice to talk to you. It's so nice to talk to you. I really, really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today. I am happy to be here. Mm. I have been talking about this a lot lately. Yeah, well... I really, uh, we really do appreciate uh, your expertise to hear from you. We're going to be talking about dealing with anxiety and grief uh, during the coronavirus. Um, are you must you must be very busy um, right now? Oh yeah, I'm doing a lot of consulting to a lot of psychotherapists, seeing my clients, and I gave a whole day talk on Friday and. It wasn't supposed to start that way, but the first half an hour was about how to work. It was for psychotherapists, and it, the first half an hour was how to work with people online because we can't see people face-to-face anymore, and what are the issues that people have around this. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and so you know, our the community that uh, that you specialize in, and that that this podcast is all about is, is trauma survivors, and, mm-hmm. and you know, for for many of them, this 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 epidemic is just um, bringing up a lot of old stuff, and and kind of feeling stuck and confined in their body and in their home with it. So I'm hoping that we can talk about some stuff that would be helpful. Um, so, so maybe we can start by talking about 
what do you see right now uh, are people's biggest emotions during this epidemic? The ones I see the most are anxiety. Mm-hmm. And anxiety about their own safety, family members and friends, what's happening to the community and what's happening to the world. Yeah. You know, and and just everything changing every single day is bringing up more and more anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And um, when you're seeing it like that, like worldwide, like it's not just personal, it's, it's, it's the world. It just takes the anxiety to a level that people haven't experienced before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that they can deal with their anxiety? Well, a lot of people have shame with their anxiety because they're not supposed to be feeling. And the first thing that they need to do is to give themselves permission to have it. The bad news is coming every minute. Mm -hmm. And then you find out about somebody you know, you know, and you, you have anxiety for that person, you know. A folk singer that I have been following for like 45 years, John Prine has it. So I'm anxious for him right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the first thing to do is go, yep, me and everybody, we are all feeling this. And to acknowledge it as a communal feeling. The second is looking at the big fears people have. And some people are more wired for anxiety than others. It's it's all it's genetics, you know, and also it can be history if they had a truly rotten childhood with no breaks, they may not have had a chance to not feel anxious at any point in their life. Mm-hmm. And so these folks need to notice the difference between, you know, kind of picking up on the general anxiety. And if it's a real fear of getting it, start looking at, well, what am I doing to stay safe? You know, if you're working in an emergency room, that's dangerous. <laughs> it's hard to okay. stay away from the virus. But if you're staying home and when you go out, you're six feet away from other people and you come home, you wash your hands, you know, from whatever you touched out there, you're probably going to be fine mm-hmm. personally. And if your partner or kids are doing that, then they're probably going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And so look at what you're anxious about and what you're doing. If you're following the rules, basically, you probably are not going to get this virus unless you have, again, some kind of first responder job that puts you there. Um, But if you don't, you're you're probably safe. Um, You may have other real life anxieties like 
if you cut hair or serve food or sell clothes or have a small business that's closed during all of this and we don't know how long, you know, everything just got extended for to at least be a month, Mm -hmm. then that's real. You know, and part of your job is to go, all right, this is happening. What do I do? Apply for unemployment. Start hitting up my folks for money. You know, (laughs) what what am I going to do to pay the rent? You know, that's real stuff. And start, Mm -hmm. you know, borrowing from my friend who's able to work, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Going to different charities because there's a lot set up right now. Mm-hmm. So doing that which can be done for yourself and doing that which can be done if you happen to have a fair amount of money, who are you giving it to to help people through this? You know, what can you do? And so looking at what you can do versus what you can't, you know, and doing what it is you can for yourself, your family, your community, the world, you know, and then there are things you can do just to calm your body down. One of the best and easiest, and we can all do this right now, is breathe out all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way, and breathe in halfway. Breathe out all the way, all the way, all the way, breathe in halfway. Breathe out all the way, all the way, all the way, breathe in halfway. If you do that six or eight times, your body is going to calm down because what we do when we're anxious We're anxious because our body and our lower brain perceives a threat and Mm -hmm. we start (laughs) hyper-oxygenating, taking deep breaths in so that we can either have the oxygen to fight or run. But if we're not fighting or running, we need to turn that upside down and breathe out all the way, all the way, all the way, breathe in halfway. If you do yoga or any Buddhist practice, just that oh, quick breath. Oh, that's something to do. If you're not- that's a, that sounds a little bit like Peter Levine's boo. I'm not even doing it right. Boo, that low octane. It's sort of the same yes. thing. Do it low. Do it low. I got to practice. I got to practice doing it low. I think it's my high singing voice. <laughs> Go as low as you can. Think- Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. I can, I'm yeah. alto. I can get down there, you know. So tell us what that does. What it does is it knocks out some of the too much oxygen and gives you a little carbon dioxide, mm-hmm. and it tells your body we're not getting ready to kill anything or run. We're okay. Mm-hmm. And it it really works on a very basic neurological level. Okay? Mm -hmm. This other thing is much easier if you can see it, but you might go online and find a video 
of it is called silencing the alarm. Okay. And what this does is knock back an acupuncture meridian or a meridian for um, that they, they look at this in medicine and also martial arts like in China. Okay. And what you're going to be doing is wiping your hand along this meridian, which will calm things down. Now, I showed this to 1,200 people in New York City at a conference that obviously wasn't about dealing with this virus. And this guy named Stephen Porges, who is the world expert on working with this big nerve that runs through our body, the vagus nerve, the vagal nerve. Um, and he said it, it directly impacts the vagus nerve and that's why it works. And I think both are true, just looking at it from different cultures. But an endorsement from him was huge. So, yeah, for sure. Okay. We're gonna be looking that up. What's it called again? We'll look on YouTube. Um, look up polyvagal theory. This, yeah. but this is um, silencing the alarm. Okay. okay. So here's the deal. If you think about something that makes you anxious, some people in my very liberal town, I tell them to think about another term for a certain president. And this works. If you have the opposite <laughs> politics, you can think about him not having another term and feel your anxiety. Whatever works. Okay? Yes. Now I know what your politics are. But okay. <laughs> so um, whatever. Something that makes you anxious. Take the fingers of your right hand. Put them on your left eyebrow and then move those fingers in a straight line to the top of your left ear and then down behind your ear and then flatten out your hand. Go down your neck to the point of your shoulder and then to the point of your elbow and out the back of your hand to your fingertips, brush it. Now faster, but the same hand do from your eyebrow near your nose, over to the outside of your eyebrow, top of your ear, back behind your ear, flatten out that hand down your neck, shoulder, keeping that flat hand at your elbow and out the back of your hand. And now do that faster now that you know how. And then switch hands. Take your left hand. It doesn't matter which hand you start with. Go over your right eyebrow eyebrow to your ear, flatten out that hand down your neck, hit the point of your shoulder, your elbow, out the back of that hand and do that quickly twice and then notice your anxiety level. Now you can do this 20 times on a side. You can alternate one side, the other side, one side, the other side. But it knocks back your vagus, your vagal nerve. It What it does is it changes from the fight or flight to the place where you can actually learn and think and eat normally and do math if you know how 
and connect, it, socially connect. So that works. Other things you can do, if you do yoga, it's a great thing to do. Running in place or going for a walk and looking around you. Or just even if you're freaked out in your own room, look around and notice if you're safe there. Yes, nobody's holding a gun at me. There's mm -hmm. no wolves mm -hmm. going to tear me down. The house isn't burning down. My neighborhood looks safe out the window. I'm cool. I'm safe. What that does is it wakes up the orienting response, which if you ever see like a dog or a cat and a big noise happens and they look back and forth a whole bunch of times and then they realize yeah. it's okay and they kind of shrug and sigh. <sighs> okay and shake themselves and they're cool we do the same things looking around that orienting response is helpful or look around and notice what's interesting oh that piece of art oh nice tree out my window with pink buds on it right now i wonder what that bird is you know just anything that orients you and makes you look around will bring that up. And if you look around and you don't see big danger, it will calm you. If you're standing, bend your knees a little bit, take a deep breath in and drop your, and let it out all the way, all the way and drop your shoulders. When we're freaked out, we have our shoulders up by our ears, drop them. Yes. Breathe out all the way, look around. Yeah, and some people will send down from the bottom of their spine. Imagine sending just light down to the center of the earth, connecting right there and bringing light and love up from the core, the heart of the earth. And then out the top of their head to the light in the sky and then bringing it down through their head right to their heart. That's a Sufi one that works pretty well for calm and light and love in your heart. And then send it around to your loved ones, to everyone who needs it in the world. Start with yourself, though. So all these ways will help calm. Oh, Robin, I, I just love them. They uh, Even the way you're describing them, and I wasn't even doing them, and I already feel calmer <laughs> just listening. But uh, yeah, I think that the, that's so amazing. And I, like you said, um, it's really showing your body that you are safe in the here and now. And I love that. Even yeah. though we don't know how long we're stuck in our houses, even though we don't know about mm -hmm. work. I'm lucky. I'm doing teletherapy and doing lots of consulting and even I'm doing trainings with people online right now. But so I can do almost everything I do on mm -hmm. Zoom, you know, but not, but the people can't mm -hmm. yeah well that was that was really helpful those those tools um i wanted to also ask you you know we're talking also about grief how is this like how is grief different than usual well because it's ongoing so normally mm. let me just run through the stages of grief you know, these are well-known. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross first kind of enumerated them about 30, 40 years ago. But grief starts out with shock and sometimes denial. 
no, this can't be happening. They're not going to shut me in my house and close the schools and all that stuff. They did. So it starts with shock. And then, oh, no. And then, okay. And then often goes to anger. I can't believe this shit is happening. Or anger at the people who aren't conforming, all those 20-year-olds who are out there uh-huh. passing a joint in the park or something and passing germs around. And they're going to, if one of them's sick, they're going to give it to everybody. And then they're going to give it to everybody else and damn them. But that yeah. can be a part of grief. Or just at whatever part of the government you're pissed at right now, a lot of people are angry at Fauci, even though he's doing his job. Some people are angry at people who are attacking him, you know, whatever. But Mm -hmm. the anger can be part of grief. And then just the sadness at your own personal loss. My husband is a musician. He plays in two to five um, jams a week where people just get together and play different kinds of music. It's the Irish jam camp meet. The Scottish jam can't meet. The Quebecois music jam isn't meeting. He can't play for contra dance right now. People are not doing that. And mm-hmm. he's grieving that his whole social life is gone. And we have music at the house all the time. And he's the only one making it now. You know? <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's um, and he's an accompanist. You know, he plays the rhythm for on different instruments and so that's one the people hugging people i get to hug him but everybody else jobs all the cultural events we're not going to or that people can't work at now the businesses that are closed we walked through the outside mall near my house yesterday and three quarters of everything was closed for the duration, you know, and just safety, knowing it's safe. So there's grief. And then, of course, if somebody's sick or people are dying, you know, Mm. more grief every day. And normally, people integrate it, you know. My mom died a couple years ago. I cried like crazy for six weeks. And then now only occasionally, you know, her birthday or holidays, we would have been together on my birthday, you know, different things. And But it's pretty much integrated now. Two years later, I don't feel like calling her all the time or going over there. I know she's gone. You know, I'm, I have peace. But with this thing, it's not completely integrating because then the next thing happens. They shut down India. I find out that John Prine, my favorite, one of my favorite musicians has it. Though I found out today he's doing yeah. better and they took him off the vent, which is good. But, you know, yeah. every day there's another loss and another shock. And so then we have to go through it all over again. And it reminds me of being in the 80s, living in the gay neighborhood and losing friend after friend after friend. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd get through grief after 
that after we went to that funeral and the next person would get sick or the next person would die, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, this is what epidemics do. Yeah. So, um, Another thing I was wondering about or thinking about is, um, you know, the fact that everybody is stuck at home now, which is unusual. I- I'm wondering, you know, what is it like for couples who are stuck at home together? <laughs> <can> tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people where there are um, where there's violence and abuse, for some of those people, it's getting much worse. And in Seattle, my town, where um, was the first place who got this virus and we've been shut down longer than other people. Um, the domestic violence calls to the cops have gone way up in the last week and a half and we've been shut down for about three weeks. So, um, so on that level, it's not good. Um, no, no. A lot of people... Yeah. Now that they're home alone, some people are saying we're way more romantic than we were before. We're home. What else is there to do? You know, and so some <laughs> people are having a pretty good time. Um, lots of people are having more conflict just because we're around each other more. I can speak right. to that. In my mm-hmm. marriage, and I've been with this guy for 28 years, been married for 26 years, and we have the kind of marriage that we, we say it's about opposites attract. And he's a high-strung <laughs> artist. He's a musician and a professional photographer, and I am um, the opposite of high-strung, extremely grounded, fact-oriented, you know, just... Don't get anxious very often, you know. And he, mm-hmm. he, his job is to carry the anxiety for both of us, you know. And so <laughs> we're really different about how we do things. And I'm more of an extrovert. He's more of an introvert and wants, more, wants me to shut up. So he, so he doesn't say that. <laughs> he doesn't say that so that he can just be quiet because that's what works for him. That's healing for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm pretty good at it, except when I'm not. Um, but there <laughs> can be more conflict because we're trying to do the same thing yeah. more. We're trying, you know, there's, but I do it this way, but you do it that way. And normally we're not around to have these clashes, you know. So okay. my advice is to spend some, if you're having problems, even if you're in the same house, even if it's a small apartment or whatever, spend a little time doing your own thing. Read in different corners. You go online, you read a book, you whatever, you know, and be separate. There are shows he loves. He's from British Extraction. He loves The Crown and the, oh, the British Baking Show. And it's like, go ahead and watch mm-hmm. them. I, we do not have to be joined at the hip. You know, there's <laughs> some we both love and some I like. We watch the same things. We are different. The secret to a good marriage is differentiation. 
I love you, even though you're different, and I may not love all those different parts, but if they don't cross a bottom line, like violence or um, spending it all on gambling or, you know, whatever, yeah, which mine doesn't and I don't, you know, we're cool and we don't date other people, you know, so the bottom lines are, work. Not, are not being crossed. But those other things are acknowledging I get to be different and he gets to be different. Yeah, I love that. And we get to love each other anyway. He grabbed me the other day. I was doing this. For the first time, I did a big training online for 130 people. And we had a big fight over how to set this up. He's more than I am. And he was helping me. But I... Just before you go on, a nice big and we fight. had a fight over the technicalities and listening to each other and whatever. And later he came up to me, put his arms around me, and he said, "Even though you're completely annoying, I'd rather be annoyed by you than anybody else." What's so romantic? Yeah, and that's just <laughs> that makes. No, I love that though because it, what you're saying, Robin, is like we're different. I love you. I don't. Ha- you don't have to change to be okay with me. I love you like this. I love yeah, that. So That's that great. differentiation part. Make repair. Yeah. If you have a fight, go up to each other, apologize. Do not stick on. I'm right. You're wrong. Because that will never work. What you need to do is. We're different. I must not be listening to you very well because I'm busy defending my own rightness. So I'm going to stop defending my rightness right now, even though I'm not going to change my mind. And I want to hear what you're seeing and what you're saying. And I'm going to bite my tongue for a while while you say it and really listen. And then if you can say, I'm sorry, don't say, I'm sorry you think that way which implies the other person is an idiot. You know, (laughs) say, I hurt you when I said that. I understand how that hurt you. You felt demeaned. I am truly sorry for causing you that pain. I love you. I don't want to cause you pain. What I might think in my brain, except when I do. But, you know, (laughs) bite your tongue, you know, just Mm -hmm. for that. And apologize. Make repair. Remember the things you actually do like about that person. Yeah. You know, and so Doug is the, um, he calls himself the house spouse. He is mostly retired. Um, because um, in photography, they're giving it all to um, 22-year-olds and paying them a quarter of his normal fees. Pretty much retired, except for some long-time clients. And so um, he's doing the cooking and he's doing the shopping and and he's he's writing the checks for things, and I'm I'm working. But what I've been doing 
lately is trying to clean up the kitchen a little more. Trying to make sure, and I've been doing this one for quite a while. I get up before he does, and I always set up his tea water and the tea in the strainer for him. And then when I hear him stirring, I'll turn the tea water on. And it's just this little gift I give him every morning. So when he comes into the kitchen, the water's boiled and he can just pour it on the tea leaves. And That's very, very nice. That's very sensitive. And I'm sure he really appreciates every morning, that. I get to feel loving and he gets to feel loved and he's cooking all the meals for me. Yeah. You know, I'm, he does a lot for me, but I'm finding little things to do or I'll just empty the dishwasher in the morning before he gets up, you know, and it's just, um, little things. Can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really great. So Robin, I wanted to ask you this, um, you know, what, with, with, with what's going on now and, and being confined at home, what if it's bringing up like other kinds of trauma? Yeah, well, this is where the two-hand interweave, which is my claim to fame in the EMDR world, um, can be helpful. If you start feeling stuck in your house like you did stuck in your abusive household when you were a kid uh -huh. try this mm -hmm. in one hand put what was going on in your abusive childhood household or when you were stuck with that abusive ex or whatever that was in the other hand hold your current situation and just hold both and notice the difference. And you might try opening one hand while you close the other and go back and forth with that a few times and just notice what's different, what's the same. The other thing you can do is get the heck out. In every city in the country, it is okay to take a walk. Go to a park if they're not blocked off, walk around, Generally, people on the street, and you know, go around them, make, keep your six feet distance, wave at people and say hi. And if they don't have earbuds in, they, they'll probably smile at you because they're lonely too, you know, or even how you doing, you know, and people. Oh, I, uh, I like that connection. But Robin, I want to go back. I'm curious, what, what does that do with the, with the hand and see what you notice? What do you find uh, happens when you, you do that? You notice that it's different. This is this. Mm -hmm. This is the one in which I got physically or sexually or emotionally abused. This one. Mm -hmm. Oh, the other thing to notice is in this hand, put the age I was when I was stuck at home in this hand, hold who I am now. So. I'm 64, I'm grown up, I have control, you know, I I can leave when I want, at least to go for a walk or the store, you know. In this hand, I was 14, I couldn't leave, these people paid my, paid for the mortgage and paid for my 
food and there was nowhere to go. And I was stuck there. And anything they wanted to do to me, they could. And in this hand is my adult and I can do what I want. And what it does is just help physically different. It talks to your brain more directly when you kind of bring your body into it. This is who I am now. This is who I was then. This was the situation then. This is the situation now. So it differentiates these situations. And from your experience, have you found people feel a real yeah, a, a, a difference? More. They get it more. Now, I do it in the context yeah. of them doing EMDR on the old, the past that was bad, what comes up, and let's clear that out of you. But, mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of people doing EMDR online now. I'm not taking new clients at all. I'm full uh, and full for good. But, I, um, but there's a lot of people doing EMDR who are working on, and so it might be if you're out of work now and you need, and the stuff is coming up, a great time to get a therapist and you're going to work on Zoom or, or some other thing and it still works. I thought you couldn't do yes, EMDR you can. online. I do it all the time and for therapists. Um, I have just released talking about that, this, and I, on YouTube for a half an hour of how to do this online and what is likely to come up during the virus time. And I also have, mm -hmm. so there's a pod, kind of like a podcast, but also if they go to www.emdrsolutions.com and look at my blog, I write about that for therapists. Yes, you can, and there are thousands of us doing it. And so if you know an EMDR therapist who doesn't think you can, they can go look at my blog. Okay, so this doesn't have anything to do with the topic a little bit but since I have you on and you're the expert I have never had someone on the podcast yet tell me what is EMDR and what does it do would you yeah be okay I on? think I might be an expert even that about two books now the first thing I need <laughs> to say is my last name is Shapiro but the person invented it has a different first name <laughs> she's Francine right. and I'm Robin and no we're not related but we're both tall mouthy Jewish women who do who did EMDR? <laughs> she she died a couple months ago, but um, she was the amazing founder of it. So um, EMDR is a therapy that brings together several different components of what makes therapy work. First of all, it brings up the thoughts. So when you think about that. What do you say to yourself? What do you want to say? It brings up the body feelings. Where are you feeling that in your body? And it brings up the emotions. What emotion goes with that? And then it adds an amazing component, bilateral stimulation. So how it was invented was its eye movements. 
um, people, somebody waves their hand or something in front of you back and forth and the eyes follow that back and forth. And when I've done brain scans, wow, people were getting that. It shows how it takes the energy from the, you know, there's all this stuff going on near the back of the brain in the hippocampus and the amygdala where all the big feelings are and connects it up with the front of the brain that knows you're not in the middle of that car accident or rape or whatever the bad trauma is anymore. It's now, and you're watching this hand go back and forth, and it's over. And after a while, the whole brain goes, oh, it's over, I'm safe now. And it goes from the past to the present, that was over. It still sucked. I'm sorry that happened. And maybe some here and now feelings about it. I'm pissed that that happened. Go with that. And then it clears. And now I'm sad I had to go through that. And then that clears. And then what do you notice? I just feel calm and kind of happy. I'm through it is what happens with almost everything. Now, people who have a one-off thing like one car accident, one rape, you know, something like that, it will clear in one to three sessions, just gone. People who have a rotten wow. childhood where they got sexually abused three times a week for, you know, 10, 15 years, and everybody was mean to everybody, and there was no sweet sweetness anywhere it's not going to be overnight but what happens is it shifts it shifts it shifts and then the whole personality starts shifting because oh it's safe oh it's possible to be attached to somebody who's not dangerous I can fall in love with somebody in the, who's not a jerk because I kept having jerks before because I I didn't know there was anything else. And, you know, everything shifts. And um, so I've worked with some people for a long time and people who had the rottenest childhoods where they broke into many pieces and were highly dissociated. We used to call them multiple personalities. Now we call it DID, mm -hmm. Dissociative Identity Disorder. And I'm kind of an expert on that at this point. Um, do a lot of consulting about that to other people. Um, we figured out how to use it with those folks, usually not in the first year or two of therapy. And this therapy can go on for some years and people heal that completely. They become one. And they can still remember everything, but they don't have distress and they don't have to space out anymore and they can be there. Now, I was talking about eye movements. You can also do it with, there's people call them buzzies or buzzers or things that they hold in one hand, the other hand, and it gives a, a little buzz, not a shock, just a little zzz, zzz, one hand, the other hand. 
sometimes people will tap on a client's knees Mm -hmm. with permission, of course, can work. And then there's a guy named David Grant who developed these. It used to be CDs. Now they're downloads that play music one side and then the other and then one side and then the other kind of floats back and forth. All of that works. So the eye movements, according to research, are supposed to be the ones that work work the best. Well, that's really amazing. Thank you for sharing. I might have to ask you to come on sometime. To I talk know about a little this bit about that. Um, not per- not that much personally, but um, <laughs> I have been working with it for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I have another thing I could talk about. Uh, Something to do while you're stuck in the house. A couple of things that might be helpful. Okay. One. Yes, Robin. There's a bunch of research on this. Okay. I didn't make it up. Write every day at least three things you're grateful for. I tend to do this at the end of the day. Well, I do it at the beginning. I'm lying in bed with my snoring husband. And I start out with, thank you for this warm bed and this roof over my head and the snoring husband and that I am healthy today. And I get up. And then at the end of, and just kind of thank you. Then the end of the day or after dinner sometime, I write three things I'm grateful for that happened. It could just be a really good dinner. And, um, oh, that beautiful pink tree that I saw when I walked today, or nice connection with a neighbor, or really great session with this client or that client, you know, or being able to be helpful, you know, any of those things, and sometimes more than three. But people who do this every day, happier. They do before and after studies, you know. Six weeks later, they'll, They'll check their happiness, they're happier. And what's happened to me since I've been doing it a couple years is I start looking around for things to be grateful for just when I go for a walk or just in my day, which shifts me away from looking for problems. Yeah, like the negativity bias. It's almost like you're reconditioning your mind now to look for something. I still Pleasant. have a, I like that. list of what I don't like that's going on, but, you know, um, <laughs> ask me, I'll tell you, but, mm. you know, but all of this, <laughs> and then I, you know, there's another thing that I recently learned, and I gave a little mention of it, and I took a class from this um, Sufi guy a while ago, and um This is the light and love meditation. Putting your hand over your heart. Feeling that heartbeat. And then feeling the light and love in your heart. And then sending it to yourself. And he says, if you have a name for yourself, maybe what they called you when you were a kid, you know, or just you could use your name. I would might say using his language, beloved Robin, you know, 
or what a, an old boyfriend 40 years ago used to call me Robinita. You know, I'd say little Robinita, you know, and just ah, and send it through you. Then bring it in from the heart in the sky down through the top of your head and feel that heart. Then from the bottom of your spine down, down into the earth and bring it up from the heart of the earth. Let it fill your body. And then you send it. I send it to Doug, my husband. I send it to my best friend. I send it to my block, my clients, all the consultees that I have all the people in the hospitals everywhere, all the people dealing with this disease, which at this point is like everybody, all the people I care about. And just, I end up with imagining the whole world and surrounding it with light and love. It takes about, takes me about six or seven minutes, sometimes 10 minutes to get to the whole world. And it just makes me feel good. And if you have religion, if you have a God, connect that up with whatever God looks like for you. And if you don't, it can just be light and love. You know, whatever works. That's very beautiful. Yeah. It's very, very, so very comforting. I do that. I make sure that I am doing self-care every day. Um, right before this, I went on like a two-and-a-half-mile walk, and there's a wooded park, a, like a gorge with old-growth trees in it that I walk through every day, and I walked through there and came home, took a shower. You know, I had to have a shower to do this podcast. But when it's over, I'm going to do my floor exercise. <laughs> I'm in my 60s. If I don't exercise, my body falls apart. I also think of, I'm taking care of myself here. You know, I'm doing this. I'm eating oh well God. and um, trying to not eat too much sweets. You know, a lot of people say they're gaining weight. Buy a bunch of stuff that you like that's not too fattening. And eat that on your breaks, you know, <laughs> and um, reach out on the phone and by Skype and what, however, to everybody you know. When I walked, I was talking to a friend of mine from, I haven't seen in like 10 years. She's in her 80s, almost 90. She lives on the East Coast and we we talked for an hour and you know i feel connected if something happens for her we talked i'm talking to you know distant family i haven't talked to for a while most people aren't that busy right now no that's good you're really um yeah so connecting connect. yeah yeah so yeah I enjoyed this conversation with you, Robin, uh, so much, and I'm sure everybody 
everybody as well. You have such a nice, um, oh, thank nice you, position about you. <laughs> I actually saw you in New York. I don't think I saw you during the one you said, but um, I enjoyed. Oh, it very were much. you at um, were you at that big conference in New York? That's the that's one in two thousand seventeen. I, I think it. Yep. Oh yeah, that's where I was. Yep. I loved it. Yeah. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you or follow you, I have a um, website. how can they get in touch with you? www.emdrsolutions.com. I am not taking new clients ever again. I am only, I've been in practice for 40 years. I'm only taking old people I've seen before. I am taking any number of new consultees, however, if the people want that. Um, that's what I'm doing oh. with my time more now. Um, I also have an email, which is emdrsolutions, with an S on the end, at gmail.com. <laughs> and I'm not giving my phone number out because who knows <laughs> let me ask you, you you wrote a brand new book is that book just all for of my books are written for, for therapists anybody? the new book doing psychotherapy is okay. especially good for people maybe if you're interested in becoming a therapist you would read it or you have you have been a therapist for that many years it kind of covers like every issue you'd likely to run into, how to run a session, how to run a whole therapy, how to mm -hmm. make goals, and that you, my firm belief, you should learn a lot of different therapies and use what works for the client in front of you, not have one religion, one hammer, and think everybody's a nail. I love that. I love that. I love that because that's yeah. what I've seen. Different things work for different people. So that's great. Okay, Robin. Well, again, I can't thank you enough. I enjoyed this so much. It was so wonderful. And um, we're going to incorporate all the tools and think about everything you shared. So, okay, and send again, me a link thank to you so much. So I can... Okay. <laughs> I sure will. Bye-bye. Take care. I'm okay. Waving. Bye, Robin. Oh. I'm okay. waving too. Bye-bye. Blowing kisses. If you'd like to find out more about my trauma recovery, anxiety, and supportive coaching, you could reach me on my website at www.cptsdcoach.com. You can visit me on Facebook and Instagram at cptsdcoach.com.